0: Hi there and welcome to Call of the Week. I'm Ginger Rousey. Our topic this week is weather and here to discuss is Dr. Joanne Logan. Joanne is joining us by phone from Knoxville where she is an associate professor in UT's Department of Biosystems Engineering and Soil Science. Joanne, thanks for joining us. Oh, hi. Yeah, nice to nice to talk to you and talk to your group out there. Well, we appreciate you being here. Uh, Joanne's focus, for those of you listening, is applied climatology, Uh, specifically, climatic effects on agriculture. Joanne, I hope I got that right. Yeah, I I mean, I look at other things besides agriculture, like stormwater and development
1: and things like that, water quality, but agriculture's in the mix for sure. Sure.
0: Well, before we dive into our weather discussion, I want to give you an opportunity just to describe your research programs and what you're doing there in Knoxville. Um, Well, uh, I know the topic
1: of the day is looking at rain and flood, but actually, i do more research in temperature than I do in in rainfall and precipitation. Um, I'm especially interested in the interplay between plant development and winter temperatures because we've been noticing a pretty significant increase in our winter temperatures over the last um, few decades and it's having an impact on when plants break dormancy in the spring and then the interplay with uh, freeze dates and having plants perhaps at a more susceptible stage. We've seen that where they get nipped back or even killed by a late freeze or even a normal freeze sometimes because they have developed a little bit more quickly through a, a slightly warmer winter. So that whole interplay between winter temperatures and freeze dates has been a of great interest to me. Um, I did a report for the local news last week looking at pollen mm-hmm. and the fact that the pollen season seems to be getting a little longer too because of that kind of interplay of a lot of plants coming out of dormancy a little earlier in the spring than we're normally used
0: to. That's not good news for allergy sufferers.
1: No, especially not here in East Tennessee, where Mm -hmm. we have, uh, you know, some of the highest allergy rates in the country.
0: Looking ahead to 2019, what are the big weather patterns that are on the horizon? Well, we have a weak
1: El Nino right now, which um, probably affects the western and the northern U.S. a little bit more than us. I mean, sometimes it looks like with El Nino's we get a little bit more rainfall, but, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. And it is a weak El Nino, so it's not a very, very strong one. Um, So it's interesting that we've got these different patterns around um, the planet. The ones we're most affected by would be El Nino, which is strange because it's way out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You wonder why in the world. But it affects such a huge part of the Pacific Ocean that it actually can impact... The jet stream and atmospheric circulation throughout the globe, it's um, something to have great respect for. Uh, There's other um, little systems. There's the North Atlantic Oscillation, they call it, up uh, in the North Atlantic, that affects our patterns a lot. There's an Arctic Oscillation up in the Arctic that affects the jet stream. And we know the jet stream is often that weather pattern that brings us the stormy weather. So if the jet stream is staying north all the time, then we tend to have high pressure and clear skies, whereas we have a jet stream pulling um, cold air or disturbances down into the U.S. um, That's why we're like, you know, the tornado country Mm -hmm. of the world, because no other country has the severe weather that we do. Uh, We just, because of that um, conflict of the air masses, this warm, moist Gulf air coming up with these cooler, dry Uh, masses that are coming from the north is just a perfect situation for severe weather and uh, they only see the tendency for that to probably
0: increase over the next bit. 2018 was the wettest year on record uh, for many parts of Tennessee and so far 2019 appears to be following suit. As of April 9th here in Jackson we are six inches above normal for precipitation. So uh, would you classify this as A wet cycle, uh, is it just an anomaly, or, or are we seeing a shift in precipitation trends? Well, if you just look from year to year,
1: you know, you do see a lot of variability. You know, just back in, you know, 2012 and some of the, you know, more recent years, we've had, you know, years that were way below normal. So, but we do seem to be seeing a little bit more variability. So, rather than, like, these longer periods of drier weather or longer uh, periods of wetter weather, we seem to be getting a lot of a lot more fluctuations between the two, um, so that's a concern because if you're more used to like a longer scaled. Uh, Cycle and all of a sudden the cycle starts speeding up on you and you're not prepared for it. You know it can cause some uh, problems with your production system because you're just you know not used to you know that situation. Um, So yeah, last year was definitely rainier than normal. This year, some parts of Tennessee are running ahead, other parts are not running all that much ahead right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally the. Because of our warming atmosphere, uh, we've warmed about a degree Celsius in the last uh, 100 years, the atmosphere can hold more moisture. So it's not unexpected that we actually would be getting more rainfall, and the whole U.S. as a whole has seen an increase of in, in 5% in, in rainfall, and the southeast is kind of more in the 5 to 10% range that we've seen in the last, say, 30 or 40 years. So we are definitely seeing an increase in rainfall across the entire area. But that's General, So that doesn't mean that you still can't have like an exceptionally dry year. So this, you know, climatology looks at averages over the long haul. So, um, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, well, you know, but you've had a dry year. So therefore we can't be getting wetter. But you look at the trend and look at averages and you can see that in fact our rainfall and mostly happening in the fall and the winter are when we're getting our greatest increases in rainfall. Uh, which is what we've been seeing, <laughs> definitely, getting some really rainy um, November, Decembers, January's, and February's, mm-hmm. which is what we've seen the last few years.
0: Oh, we certainly have. Um, you know, I, I know we've heard a lot about the flooding uh, in Nebraska, and I know as we're recording this here on April 10th, the Midwest is bracing for another historic storm. Um, d- you know, do you think we are seeing more episodes of intense flooding or – does it just feel that way because this story is fresh in our mind
1: well you know that's a good question because you know that we do tend to remember things that have happened recently but no in general if you look at statistics with severe weather and the amount of rainfall everything's pointing to that direction like if you look at uh, events of one inch, two inch, three inch rainfalls, uh, one day rainfall totals, two day rainfall totals—they're all increasing, and in, in the southeast for sure. Not in all parts of the United States equally, but the southeast is definitely seeing an increase in that. You know, more—you know, on the order of five, up to fifteen percent of an increase in that. Um, with the prediction in the future that we're going to actually see more of those intense. Rainstorms, which, you know, it just goes into the physics of the atmosphere, the fact that the atmosphere can hold more moisture. When you do have a disturbance come through, there's a lot more moisture available to form rainfall, which is why you would expect a, a, a more severe event. But it, what's interesting is that same degree in temperature that we've gone up is the same one that's increasing our evaporation. So when it's not raining, we can actually have more severe dry periods in between because we've increased the uh, evaporation from the soil and the plants, the evapotranspiration. Um, So therefore, you know, you can have severe dry periods, which we've seen over the last few years. Even though with these heavier rains, we can still have a couple weeks of really severely dry weather. And once again, you know, if our cropping system isn't resilient, to those changes in patterns, you know, we're going to suffer a decrease in yields as a result, um, just because you know we just haven't been prepared for that kind of a of
0: a change in the patterns. For producers that are listening to this, what what can they do? What is what you know? With we, we are seeing some climate variability, what can they do to offset this in their operations?
1: When you're talking about just severe weather and heavy rain rainstorm events anything that you can do to increase the permeability of your soil is going to be very, very helpful. And everything, all the evidence and research points to, you know, switching over to a no-till system really, really helps your soil absorb. Um, And then if you have some spotty, issues, you know, in your field, some low level areas or some areas that tend to pond and flood a little more often. There's some, you know, other little things you can do. You can well, you can level them and fix that problem. But, you know, sometimes you can apply biochar and that has been shown to really increase the permeability of soil. So you could do like little spot treatments with something like biochar too. Um, using cover crops, things like that. There's lots of different options, you know, that you could get your information from your local extension office. Mm-hmm that would tell you how to, you know, improve your soil situation so that it will be more permeable and absorb more of the rain that it falls. But there's really nothing you can do to control the amount of rainfall. All you can do is control what happens to it when it hits your your farm.
0: Sure. Biochar research actually taking place here at the West Tennessee Ag Research and Education Center. The Agriculture's
1: best-kept secrets, I think. <laughs> I, I hope to see more of it being used because it's, it's very, very useful. Mm.
0: Well, very interesting information. And, uh, you know, do you have a website or, you know, a place people can go to find out more about your your program, Joanne? Uh, East Tennessee
1: State University, uh, I'll give them a little plug here. They're going to be uh, taking on the uh, mantle of the State Climate Office, which we haven't had in, I think, about 15 or 20 years now. So they're planning to uh, rekindle the state uh, climate office, which would be uh, kind of like a service office that would provide weather data. Um, I've been kind of filling in doing it while we haven't had a state climatologist, but we're transitioning over to East Tennessee State University, which will be uh, hosting this uh, new office that will have lots of information. You can always uh, already Google Tennessee State University State Climate Office and go to their website, and they are providing a lot of reports that give you uh, monthly summaries across the state of uh temperature rainfall patterns and stuff so my site's probably going to go away pretty soon because i'm retiring pretty soon <laughs> so yep. uh, we're transitioning it over to east tennessee state university well
0: oh, congratulations on your upcoming retirement well uh, thank you <laughs> we do appreciate you taking some time to speak with us perhaps no other industry is more linked to weather than agriculture um and i know it's on everyone's mind as spring planting begins joanne thanks again i'm ginger rousey and we'll talk next week